Well, welcome to another edition of Conversations with Clint. Today, I have Chairman of the State Government Committee, Seth Grove, the 196th, here to talk about election reform. Well, thank you so much, uh, Chairman Grove, for joining us uh, today. You have been on the podcast and the vlog several times now, haven't you? Yeah, it's been awesome. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. It's you, a great conversation. <laughs> you came up to my house for back porch podcasting. Do you remember that? I did. It was fun. Me and uh, uh, Chairwoman Pickett at the time. Right. It was a good time. It was a good time. But, <laughs> hey, we're here today to talk about House Bill 1300. Mm -hmm. um, this is your bill. This is the Voting Rights Protection Act. Um, as our background uh, has it here today. Talk a little bit about why this is so important. And it really started with the hearings. So maybe we should start with that. Let's start with the hearings. We did uh, over 30 hours of hearings. You, when, when, uh, when you um, started out on this, um, did you think it was going to be 30 hours? No. Uh, I really didn't know what to expect out of doing the hearings, but I knew we had to do a deep dive of our elections. Uh, I don't think anybody thought we have had smooth elections for the past few election cycles. We've had a lot of snafus, a lot of issues with with uniformity. Um, you know, even dating back to 2016 election cycle, there's a huge segment of the population that have mistrust the outcome of elections uh, nationally and in Pennsylvania. So uh, we had to have a focus on what actually the law is and how our elections are actually administered. So, you know, originally we had uh, came out with a schedule of 14 hearings. We consolidated some because we realized we can kind of do some together. We ended up with 10 hearings over 30 hours of hearing time outside of all the the legwork that goes into right. that prep, discussion, uh, information, reading. I mean, some of our meeting packets were just hundreds of pages of documents to go through. Um, you know, we had over 52 testifiers from everything from the Department of State, uh, county election officials, uh, national election experts. We had uh, election officials from other states. Um, so it was it was the most extensive election oversight hearings in the entire country. Yeah. Um, and so, it was much needed. Yeah. Our election code really hasn't been touched in a long time. We did work at it with Act 77, but with some really questionable renderings um, from the State Department and the Supreme Court, um, we, we ended up with a, a process in, in a, of elections here in Pennsylvania that's just, just not working. Right. And so um, we've seen that in a couple of election cycles. Even just today, um, this week, they, they finally certified the, the primary that happened how many weeks ago? Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's funny. You know, the Department of State came out, oh, the 2021 um, primary was uh, very smooth elections with a few hiccups. So I, I don't think you had a necessarily in your district... York County, we had four-hour wait times. They ran out of ballots. They ran wow. out of Republican ballots in York County. Uh, in Fayette County, not only did they run out of ballots, um, but when the county um, printed the, the, the paper ballots, it didn't have the codes for anybody to read it, so they had to hand count it. Luzerne County had coding issues with their machines. Uh, and we, there were several areas that did run out of ballots. Yeah. Uh, and talk about disenfranchisement. You have a four-hour wait. Um, people get in line. Like, people are busy today. Yeah. Um, so people walked away without being able to, to vote. They were literally disenfranchised. And, you know, the Department of State's comment was very smooth election. Yeah. Um, 
So well, well, this week we were able to run House Bill 1300 mm -hmm. out of committee. Very important piece of legislation mm -hmm. that you have championed, and like we said, it's it has come from or as a result of these hearings and issues that we have seen not only in this election but prior elections. Mm -hmm. Um, talk a little bit about some of the key points of House Bill 1300 and why it's so important. Yeah, I think everybody uh, wants to see elections in Pennsylvania actually be smooth. Like the excitement of election night should be a close election between two candidates. Not the process, not the outcomes. Uh, people should say, okay, my candidate lost. We, we know it was, it was a fair process and we move on with our lives. Um, or, you know, changing stuff right before the election, offering new guidance, court cases, litigation. Um, we, we, we really need to be Florida. So mm -hmm. after, you know, the, the 2000, everybody remembers the 2000, the hanging chads. Hanging chads. <laughs> Florida went to work and it improved their election law over 20 years. Um, that's where we're at with House Bill 1300. We went to, we want to get to a point where we have, um, fair elections that every legal voter has the opportunity to exercise their right, but keep all the, the bad actors out of it. And bad actors, you know, it's, it's, it's individuals making bad decisions. It's national governments um, coming in and trying to, right. to, to mess with elections. Um, you know, it could be some syndicates localized trying to um, um, uh, disenfranchise voters. And we, we've seen that from the, the Stinson Marks case dating back in the 1990s. So you want to keep all that out. Um, so uh, through the hearings, we found some real internal control issues, uh, some real gaps within our election system that allow um, bad actors to manipulate a system, and we want to close those. So really, when we talk about House Bill 1300 and the Voting uh, Rights Protection Act, we're trying to protect your rights through three main issue areas, right? So accessibility, security, and modernization. You know, we joke about the lanterns, right, from yeah. 1937. Um, that's a law. Counties have to provide lanterns to, to, to uh, election officials. You know, King's language, uh, very olden language, is still used in a lot of provisions of that law. So you really have to modernize it. You know, the House Republicans, uh, we, 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 we have supported increasing accessibility. We have shown that last session. Um, so we're here today to, to, to increase that access, make sure every voter has the ability, uh, particularly uh, disabled voters. This yeah. bill spends a lot of time on helping disabled people vote. I don't know if people know this, but in 1937, um, they didn't really care about helping disabled people vote. As a matter of fact, disabled people are called mentally retarded in the, in the current law. We update that language and we update provisions to make sure individuals who have disabilities have full access uh, to our election system, uh, whether it be through internet, whether it be through um, mail-in voting or in person. We want to make sure you have the ability to exercise your rights because you're a legal voter and that's what we care about. And uniform access right. to, to the election process. Mm -hmm. The one thing that, that, that really I found concerning during the, the hearings was hearing about all this private money Right. that is coming into the state. Over $20 million invested into mostly left-leaning counties or Democrat counties mm -hmm. and not equally uh, distributed throughout the Commonwealth. So um, that was giving additional access or abilities uh, to, to mm -hmm. folks in, in some of these blue counties. And when you look at the numbers, it's, it's crazy how much was invested. And this was private money coming in. One of the things that we fixed in this bill 
is saying that, hey, if private money comes into the state, that's fine, but it's going to be equally distributed throughout the whole county so that rural communities are not forgotten in the midst of that. And I think that's so, so important to, to realize that, that, that we have to do that. You know, I, I, I said, <clears throat> excuse me, in committee today, I remember during the hearings that um, the, the, the phrase was we had a uniform election, uniform election, you know, and, and then we had the hearings and people were testifying. It wasn't. No. It was not uniform. And then the, a word was added, basically uniform. Right. So if it's basically uniform, you can't, that, that's, it's not uniform then. Right. So if, if the Constitution says we have to have uniform elections, mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do with this. And that's so important that all 67 counties are operating in a uniform way so that everybody has equal access. All right. You, you talk about the money, which, which you and, and Representative Nelson and Representative Struzio has done a lot of work uh, to not only uncover that, but provide a, a, a good uh, policy to address that and, and create uniformity and equal access to those dollars across the Commonwealth. You have some counties that, that cured ballots or allowed vo voters to correct ballots. Uh, you had some counties that uh, uh, allowed like some form of free canvassing and others did it. And literally you could hear that in the hearings where elections directors, when you ask election directors, did you do this? Some election director said, no, that's against the law. We did not do that. And others said, oh, well, you know, Department of State allowed that, so we did do it. You know, you think about the drop boxes. Right. Um, some, some counties used a lot of them, mobile, um, ones that were driving around in a van uh, to, to skirt the law. They had uh, elections officials kind of there, but it was paid for by these private dollars. Um, and other counties said, you know, it's not in the law. It's not. So we didn't do it because we felt like we were we were breaking the law. So and that was that was just, uh, you know, this last election where we had, you know, non-uniformity. You know, we had to threaten to impeach Philadelphia elections officials because they violated the law, Department of State guidance and a Supreme Court case that say you can't count undated ballots. It just happened a few weeks ago. Right. So and they and then they changed their mind after right. the letter went out. Right. Which was amazing that they changed their mind. But it's it's we wanted compliance. Right. That's we just want people to follow the law. Right. I mean, if, if if you think about this, that letter was just please elections directors just at minimum at minimum follow the law. That's where elections are at in Pennsylvania, uh, and that's why you know throughout the hearing you heard Department of State, you heard county elections directors, you heard left leaning and right leaning groups saying you need to change how you run elections because yeah. it's not done. Um, in a very good way to really help voters and really efficiently to, to, to make you know, it easy on, on counties to do that. Well, this is a very large bill, mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people that are coming out um, with some, I'll say, misinformation right. um, about the bill. Right. Um, a lot of people, we even heard it during the committee vote right. today. Right. Um, talk about uh, some of the misinformation that's out there, which, folks, it's, it is really unfortunate that that happens. Right. But it is the reality, that, mm -hmm. and it's the world that we live in down mm -hmm. here. Um, if you don't like something, you can come up with a way to spin it that's inaccurate. Um, talk a little bit about some of the things right. that you're hearing. So most of the opposition we heard from committee today actually isn't based on anything in the legislation. Uh, it was hyperbole and literally made up accusations. Uh, for instance, we, we, we're not providing any training 
for election officials. This bill actually mandates training. Not only mandates it, it requires the Election Law Advisory Board to create standards and to create operational manuals and training to those manuals and those standards so we have actual uniformity across all 67 counties for the judge of elections, for poll workers, and elections officials. When that comment was made, I, you, you literally turned, and I, I could see the, the look on Relax. your face like, I can't believe that that was just Relax. stated. Like, I mean, it's, not, it's not even close to being true. Right. <laughs> like, and, like and, and, and that's unfortunate. I mean, you have this, you have this, unfortunately you have this, 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 this left, left leaning uh, individuals and groups saying any, any bill done by Republicans is, is voter suppression. And that's not even the case here. I mean, we do, we approve actual in-person early voting, not the manipulated early voting that the Department of State created and only select counties are utilizing. Currently. Currently, right. We, 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 we codify it for everyone. Uh, we even take the satellite election offices and the drop boxes and do codification to make sure it's uniform across all counties and we have the proper uh, protections in there to, to A, help voters, but to ensure that there, there's no nefarious activities going on. And you create uniformity across that. You know, we spend a lot of time on helping disabled voters. Um, curbside voting, which again, my colleague, our colleagues across the aisle were actually saying how horrible it was to do curbside voting. We have a lot of polling places that are not ADA acceptable in this Commonwealth, and unfortunately for some communities, there's no other option. So having curbside voting make sure that every polling location is actually ADA acceptable to help individuals vote. Uh, ADA accessible voting machines. We have minimum standards um, to make sure that they have access to, to those facilities. Um, you know, pre-canvassing, curing of ballots to help voters actually um, make sure their, their votes count in the process. So we do a lot of stuff. We spend a lot of time on helping voters vote and increasing access in the Commonwealth. But at the same time, and we know from the hearings, access and security are not mutually exclusive. Exactly. You, you need both. A fully accessible system just allows fraud and cheaters to expose that system. Now, if you have too much security, it's a disservice because you're not granting access. We weigh both those in a very responsible way. Yeah. So we lock down all those provisions to keep all the bad actors out, provide full, full ability. And, and I started comments with this, and it's the truth. In the United States, no one can be denied access to voting. That's against federal law. Any, any election official that does it should be arrested uh, because it, it is against the principles that we're founded on and it's literally against state and federal law. If you, if you even walk into about, like I, I'm not registered in California, right? I can walk into California to any polling place and say, um, I wanna vote. And they're like, sir, you're not in the, the registration. As a matter of fact, your driver's license says you're from Pennsylvania, right? And I can say, I don't care. I want to vote. They hand you a provisional ballot. You can vote. They'll verify it later. They're not going to count that because I shouldn't be there, but I was not denied the opportunity. Yeah. That's, that's where we're at with, with election laws. You have full access to vote. We're just going to verify it at a later date to make sure that you're actually a legal voter. Now, maybe California is a bad example because they may, you know, actually count that <laughs> ballot. Don't know for sure, but you know the protections are in there, so no one can be denied. Yeah. So, like the entire argument of quote suppress vote 
isn't there. But I think what, what the, the argument is is because you're doing voter ID. It seems like as soon right. as you talk about voter ID, right. then the conversation then just goes crazy. Mm -hmm. um, the problem is a vast majority of people support voter mm -hmm. ID. They right. do yeah. because they want to know that mm -hmm. their vote is counted as well. So um, I, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, I, I think that it's important to bring that up because mm -hmm. the, the one piece of this is voter ID but then you, we also have in there that somebody can, can sign. If, if you forget your ID, mm -hmm. you're not going to be denied mm -hmm. the opportunity to vote um, because you forgot it or you didn't have it. But you're going to sign an affidavit uh, that says what? It basically says, under perjury of law, I am who I say I am. Which, you know, if you're willing to go to jail to, to verify who you are, it's a pretty high standard and you can go in and vote. And listen, we have a voter ID law here in Pennsylvania. Right. Like, People have to understand that if you are a first-time voter uh, at your polling place, so if you're if you're newly registered or you have been a long-time voter but you've moved and you have a new polling place, you are required by law to show an ID. Now there's 16 forms of ID under that law. We maintain that entire system. We're just saying if you're if you're now showing up in person, you have to actually um, show some form of ID. So driver's license, which now are going to be provided for free. Um, you know, utility bill, uh, a, a government bill, uh, government ID, um, university or college ID with your address on it. Um, so there's tons. Plus, we add a couple more. Uh, Department of State can create their own voter ID form for registered voters. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. It's kind of like your, your bonus card to your local grocery yeah. store. Um, you, you, we have an enhanced voter registration card uh, that's going to be durable. Uh, it's going to have your signature on it. It's going to have a QR barcode. So when you walk into the polling place, because we're doing electronic poll books, you just scan yourself in. It populates it. But let, let's be clear. Every registered voter gets a voter registration card. That should, that should be a great form of ID to say, this is who I am. I have a, a official um, ID. And on top of all that, if nothing else fails, we have the affidavit process um, right. to, 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 to validate who you are. Um, it, it's a great proposal. It meets all of the, the provisions that the Commonwealth Court threw out when voter ID was passed in 2012. So it meets those constitutional standards. And listen, the reason we do it is very easy. We do not have an agrarian society of 1937 anymore. Um, the poll workers do not know every single one of their neighbors because we have a very transient society. Uh, if I pull my, even, even my polling list from, from my neighborhood, I don't know all my neighbors because people are moving in and out all the time. So having, having that check of, oh, the poll workers know everybody that's walking in there, that's not, that's not true. That's not the case yeah. today. So if you have a, someone who has already voted, they're listed as already voting, they don't need to show ID anymore. You can get a list of individuals who probably won't be voting that day, um, and you can jam up polls and just have people go poll to poll to poll uh, with names and just say, oh, yeah, I'm totally that person, sign in and go vote. We're just trying to prevent, close that potential loophole for fraud within the system because we know it exists, we know there's no check against it, and we just want to make sure um, uh, elections are, are free, fair, um, and people can trust the outcomes. Yeah. The other thing that's in this bill that's added uh, is we have a lot of additional audit requirements, which mm -hmm. I think is very, very important. A lot of people have been asking about that. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a ton added in there for audits, which I, I am super excited about. Um, but uh, let's, in closing here, we'll wrap this up.
talk a little bit, a little bit about the process. We, we ran it out of committee. We did the hearings. Right. We ran it out of committee. Um, what's the next step and the process moving forward? Right. So we, we ran it out of committee without amendment. So it'll be eligible to be move on the floor uh, the next week we get back. So we'll have second consideration amendments. Uh, if you follow the Ho Pennsylvania House of Representatives, there's one thing uh, about us. We love amendments. If yeah. you like amendments and dealing with amendments, you're going to be a House member. Uh, the Senate traditionally doesn't do a lot of amendments on the floor. So uh, we'll probably have a lot of amendments to go through. Um, and it's how, how people speak. You know, you, every, every yeah. member is here representing their constituents. It's a great way to get their voice out there. So we'll go through the amendment process, uh, get it uh, on third final passage, and send it to uh, the Senate. Uh, similar process in the Senate uh, committee vote first, second, third consideration on the Senate floor, and it will go to the governor. And what's really interesting about the governor today, he, he, he's, he's pretty open about the stuff he's going to veto. Normally it's, I'm going to veto, you know, House Bill 1300. We really haven't gotten that from the governor. What he says is, you know, I don't, I'm not interested in, in legislation with, with kind of voter ID component. Now that's a traditional voter ID. I think we have a good voter ID concept. Um, that that ensures and again there's no possible way for anybody who shows up in person voting to be turned away you you are required by law yeah. to allow people to vote so no matter what that is mitigated um, so I think we have a good proposal I think the governor and individual should actually read the bill it's a long bill uh, but it's one that addresses everyone's concern on accessibility uh, on security and modernization well, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to be mm -hmm. here today and helping everybody uh, really kind of dig deep into this. Mm -hmm. And like you said, please, uh, folks, take some time to read the bill. It's, it's very important. There's going to be a lot of people out uh, weighing in on this. Right. Um, but um, I just want you to know that, that we're down here doing the best we can to take the information that we learned, the issues that we've heard from all across the Commonwealth, and bring about some meaningful policy that will help our election code move forward in a positive direction. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Seth, for your, for your leadership on this. Um, it's been an exciting process and we'll continue to work towards it. Um, but that's all the time we have for today, folks. I hope that you found this educational and um, informative. Um, if there are any state-related issues that either of us can do from our offices, please reach out. That's what we're here to do, to make sure that your voice is known here in Harrisburg and to help you uh, in our district. So please reach out to our offices if, you, if we can help at all. That's all the time we have for today. Uh, join us again for another edition of Conversations with